Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. Rob, what it be? Nothing much, nothing much. That was uh, the man right here by Mystical and honor of our special guest tonight. I'm excited. Definitely, bro. Me too. Listen, man, we, we you know, Drew Brees retired. We're we going to talk about that, you know, in, in another episode. We mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Leonard Fournette win the Super Bowl. So the city is known for football, right? But tonight, we talking all basketball, baby. Let's we go. Got, we got one of the best. Let me let me introduce him. I, I've been working on this one. I've been working on this one. <laughs> Please do that. <laughs> Our guest tonight is a Louisiana legend. New Orleans finest. Was inducted into the Greater New Orleans Sports Hall of Fame in 2016. And many, considering myself, would say that he is the best basketball, high school basketball player to come out the city of New Orleans. He led his high school, Isidore Newman, to three consecutive state championships in the 90s. Was the number one high school player in the country. For the class of 93, above the likes of Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace, he is one of only three players ever to be named the Parade Magazine All-American High School Player of the Year, two years in a row, with the other two being Lou Alcindor, who we know now as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and LeBron James. He's also an LSU great, was named to the SEC All-Freshman Team, and according to my brother, his number one fan, he is the (laughs) only college basketball player to go against Nolan Richardson's Arkansas Razorbacks, 40 minutes of hell, full court press defense, and make it to heaven. <laughs> Despite some injuries, he was drafted by the Houston Rockets with the 42nd pick in the 1996 NBA draft. He went on to play professionally for 11 years in the NBA and overseas. He is now back at his alma mater as the head coach of Newman High School boys basketball team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one and only Randy Livingston. Randy, what's up? There we go. What's happening with you, man? Appreciate that introduction, man. Um, man, you say you've been working on it. That's good. I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah, I've been working on this one, bro. We've been we looking forward to having you. I mean, that intro was so long. I feel like I mean, do we even need an interview? You covered everything in the introduction. <laughs> Listen, brother, I, I want to let people know because you know I, I know sometimes you know they, they don't really recognize the history. So I, I wanted people to know you know Randy's culture now. So I wanted them to know who he was as a player. Um, but before we get to the interview, Randy. What's your thoughts on Drew Brees retiring, being a New Orleanian? Yeah, bittersweet moment. Um, he did not so much, uh, I mean, not just only on the football field. He was a pillar in the community. Um, he did a lot for the city of New Orleans, especially coming post-Katrina. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Drew. Um, you know, his kids were at Newman, where I teach and coach now. So, you know, he he just exemplified um what what it is to be a pro athlete and to give back to the community. He was on, um, you know, spectacular in those regards. And, you know, he, to me, that's, that means more to come to a new city and just make it home and really, really, really flourish here. You know, I think, you know, you got to give your hats off to him. And obviously he had a Hall of Fame career and we got a Super Bowl out of it. So, you know, kudos to Drew. Definitely. Rob, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so... Uh, let's get started. Jump into the, uh, you know, the the actual, you know, content of the interview. Uh, listen, we we both, me and Chris, we actually found this separately. We watched uh, an interview uh, that was done of you back in the '90s um, when you were actually a high school student. I believe it was Diane Sawyer, right? A, a feature that was done on you, and just kind of watched the story of your, you know childhood into your days at Newman. And if you could just tell the people a little bit about like, you know, your younger days, 
um, where you grew up and how you ended up, you know, transitioning from youth basketball to getting, uh, I guess, would be a scholarship to go play basketball at Newman. Yeah, well, like most of the inner city kids here, um, back in the days, Nord was prevalent. And, you know, you started on the Doobie Breeze kick. I was a football player growing up. That's my first love and even to this day. And um, I just got better and better at basketball. My only goal when I was younger playing at the North Parks was to be better than my older brother. And um, I just got better very quickly. And, you know, I still play football. I went to a big um, world championship tournament at John Curtis Christian School. I'll never forget that. Funny story about that. You know, we played a Puerto Rican team and they had nine and 10 year old bitty basketball. And the guy would, I'll never forget their names. That's how we lost to them in the finals. Miguel de Villa. He had a mustache and a guy <laughs> had, had hair on his leg. No, I think <laughs> so, well, that, that's the funny story of Biddy basketball, but it was at John Curtis. They saw me play. They didn't really know I, I played football like that. But then I went to John Curtis for a couple years. Um, like I said, football was my hobby. And I probably would have stayed at John Curtis. That's how much, you know, I, I really love football until, you know, JT had his son. And he said, Randy, when you get to varsity, you might have to move the running back. And I was like, I don't mind getting hit, but not on every play. I, I, I was a <laughs> quarterback. So mm. well, that that was my you know football days. And then I, I left John Curtis and then went to Newman in the eighth grade. And um, mm. that was probably one of the best decisions of my life. And um, that's how I got to Newman. It's weird. The weird story about that is seventh grade year, the bus came from John Curtis and Newman to the Calio Projects. That's where I grew up. I got on the John Curtis bus. The very next year, the same thing happened. Enrolled in both. I got on the Newman um, bus. And then the rest was history after that. To this day, that's probably the only time those buses have gone to the Calio Projects. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, the John Curtis bus would pick me up on Broad. I used to have to sit in, uh, uh, what was it, a Washington It was warm in there. I remember that. In the cold <laughs> And, and million dollar question for you know all the local New Orleans people: Where did you play uh, bitty basketball? Um, well, football I played at Taylor Park uptown, mm -hmm. and then after that I played for legendary coach William Robinson at um Shakespeare Park, which is Al Davis. Um, and then we would always venture to Line Center. That was kind of the mecca of of um bitty basketball. That throw a little. Uh, goes on the 10 foot hoop and then we, we got after it. So mm -hmm. those were the days, man, that was those days forever. I mean, I remember just, I'm just, it's just storytelling, man. I used to <laughs> jog or walk to line center from the Calier project all the time. And that's how you got in shape. So right, you know, right. that's not no easy walk either. Mm -hmm. I was about to say, no wonder you was catching alley-oops <laughs> in the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So listen, like being, being a, a, a black guy growing up in the Calio <clears throat> projects, um, in, in the interview we saw with Diane Sawyer, we talked about how you're the only black player on Newman's team and only black player in your, your class at Newman for your year. Growing, you know, playing basketball, was there any other high schools you would have considered going to? I know St. All kept a great team. You know, any any other Catholic schools or, or public schools that you were interested in attending? Well, Cohen was good at that time, and I had a couple of my coaches that coached there. But probably, you know, to be honest with you, had I not – Went to John Curtis and Newman, I probably would have stayed and then went to Booker T. That's where my cousins went. People don't know, I uh, Keith James, him and Marshall Falk was like the best two running backs when I was in, in like middle school or ninth grade. And um, 
yeah, I probably would have followed Keith to Booger T. That was like the, the neighborhood school and, you know, you could walk to. So. So talk about a little bit about, you know, Newman wasn't considered a basketball school at the time. Um, y'all won the state championship as your sophomore year. This is pre-social media. So like, you know, nowadays you got all these rival rankings and scout rankings and 247, but you were the number one player in your class. Um, what was the AAU circuit like? Who were some of the guys you went against across the country? And just like, how were you treated locally in New Orleans on and off the court? Well, yeah, pre-social media days. I mean, I, I, I think... I mean, I won every award that you can imagine. I mean, if I, you want to call it utopia, you want to call it just whatever you want from ages probably 11 till 17, I had not had real injury. And I won every award you can imagine in a, in a prep or pre-high school career. Um, we won five AAU national championships. Um, I won three state championships. So, it, you know, it was just winning. And for it's like, you know, Jason Kidd was a peer. One year I won player of the year with him. The next year my senior year I won player of the year with Rasheed Wallace. Um, but then I had Jerry Stackhouse. Um, he was in my um, my class. Ray Allen was in my class. My my, my backcourt mate that went with me at LSU was highly ranked. Jock Ronnie Vaughn. Henderson. Ronnie Henderson. Yep, Jock Vaughn, Charles O'Bannon. You know, those were all – buddies of mine and then like people what people don't really understand and I guess I don't know if people tell me Katrina kind of killed it man in my era Louisiana was stacked just Louisiana period I'm not even talking about all the country I mean you had Warner Williams at St. Aug you had Corey Andrews they had great teams but then you had Dwayne Spencer um Kerry Kittles Rashad Allen um who else am I missing Gerald Honeycutt Scotty Thurman like we all were on one team that went to the Boston shootout. Clarence mm -hmm. So there was so much talent. I was looking at a blue ribbon magazine or an old thing, and there was like seven people in the top three that the first team, second team, third team that was from Louisiana. Kirk King, um, who now is gonna help coach in my AAU group and live on Florida League. So there was there was so much talent just at home. It was it was amazing. And I I mean that was what a glory is. So listen, you brought it up and I, I was doing some research. One of my dad's best friends, Alvin Dufashaw, called me today when he heard about the interview and was like, ask Randy about the Boston shootout <laughs> against a couple members of the Fab Five. Do, do you remember that game? Yeah, man. The craziest thing is that funny story, man. We play, we go to the Boston shootout. All of us are young. I think Clarence Caesar and Doug Anderson was the only seniors. Dwayne Spencer was a junior. We get on the elevator with the lady who's running the tournament. Um, and she was just like, where y'all from? It was like New Orleans. And she's like, man, why y'all came up here? Y'all gonna lose the first time. <laughs> we were like, like, that stuck with me for that tournament. And like, that was like that chip, that boulder that you had on your shoulder. And lo and behold, we we, we beat a DC team that has Lawrence Moten, who's going to Syracuse, that mm -hmm. a couple other boys um, and everything. Um, and then we played a Pittsburgh team that had um, a guy that was going to North Carolina, Dante Calabria. They had Dan Fortson was young. Mm -hmm. And then we beat, we went through all of them. Um, and then we played a Chicago team that was loaded. I mean, I think they only had one fat five member, but they had countless pros. I mean, Juwan Howard, right? I mean, he gave us 30 and 20, but we beat him. <laughs> and then you had Shelly Clark, you had Michael Finley with the curl. Ooh, ooh, the Michael yeah. Finley and Juwan Howard, that's scary right there. 
and then Don Donnie Boyce was on. He got he played in the NBA. Shelly Clark played, you know. So they had they had tons of talent, man. So that was that was like to me that was my coming out party because I had been in AU and we were winning all that stuff. But to go on the East Coast and kill like that, we all made a name for ourselves, and right. um, it, it was great. I mean, I'll never forget Kerry Kittle's hat. I think he was like 12 for 12 in that first game against DC. All layups, just running. Long arms, running, getting layups. That's what he did. And then you had Dwayne Spencer was before his time. If he played in today's game, he would, man, he would be a gazillionaire because he could shoot, he could handle. He was 6'10, he was skilled. And that's what they're looking for today. So, you know, it's amazing how much talent we had back then. He went to Georgetown, right? To Georgetown first, and then he wound up transferring back to LSU. Okay. And just a question along those lines, given that you were so, you know, highly touted and you're going on the road playing all these different places, did you feel a lot of pressure, especially like coming back that next year where you've been the Gatorade player of the year um, and been the state champion already? Did you feel pressure to, to perform every night, to live up to the name that, you know, had been named for, made for you or that not you had really, made for yourself? Not really. My mentality was to get better. I always wanted to be the best. I knew people were gunning after me and wanting to. <laughs> knocked me off the mantle. So I just worked hard, man. I, I worked everybody. And, you know, to be honest, and just to be real with you, pressure was growing up in the Cali year, man. <laughs> I, I love I love that. that. I've always that said was that. was no pressure, man. That pressure was growing up knowing that, shit, the best friend or somebody could get killed the next day or walking through something happen, seeing a murder, you know, just mm-hmm. making sure you live from day to day. But, you know, the thing is, I, I actually embrace you know, because Louisiana's home, man. New Orleans is home. I wanted mm-hmm. to put you know, New Orleans on the map, and I kind of, like I said, embraced that. And still to this day, it, it's all about making sure, you know, the kids that I work with understand that, you know, you have something to live up to, and, you know, you've got to put the city on your back. And that, that's, mm-hmm. that's what this is about. And, you know, we, you know, Louisiana's a football school, let's be honest with you. But mm-hmm. I think in cycle and waves, there is good basketball. And that's... Mm-hmm. That's that's and, and we're on one of those cycles again. Classic right. 2023, mark my word. We'll have another time. We'll get on here. That will go down as one of the best class that we've had in a long, long time. So so I got a, a silly question before we get back to, to some right, serious topic. You uh you were teammates with Cooper Manning and, and I believe Peyton at one point. Yeah. And, and not many people can say this, but but you carried Manning's <laughs> championship. Uh, yeah. So my question is, which one was the better basketball player? Um, Cooper was the better basketball player. I think Peyton could have been really good, but Peyton was so pig-headed and stubborn. And I had a second <laughs> coach and Coach Fitz that, you know, after a while they kind of butt heads. But Cook was definitely the better basketball player. I still say Eli was the better athlete out of all of them. Mm-hmm. And he's much younger than us, but because he had more the legs like you know the grandfather or like yeah. that. I'm sorry, Arch Archie Man. Right, right, right. right. And Arch is built like that now. So you know, Cook was the better basketball player. There's no doubt about that. We don't have to debate that. <laughs> so so listen, you we talked about it, right? You were the number one player in your class, '93 with with Stackhouse and, and Rasheed Wallace, Shock Vaughn. Um, so you had every, literally every college in America recruiting you, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. Um, we're going to talk about where you chose to go, but I've, I've asked our previous athletes, Randy, close the door. You're the number one player in the country. Give me a recruiting story. 
I, I know they threw everything at you. <laughs> okay, so the day I make my decision, I go into my mom's house. Now, you got to imagine, up until this point, even LSU thought I was going to Carolina. Um, my whole room still at my mom's house is Carolina Blue. It still has Carolina jackets in hanging. You know, that was good to feel, right? But the day I decided, I went to mom, I said, I know where I want to go. I'm going to go to LSU. And she said, all right, cool. Call Coach Fitz, talk to him. And then I called him. He was like, in a week, if you still feel the same way, we'll break the news and we're good. So I was like, I feel the same way now. We're going to go. Less than a minute later, ding, 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 ding. Billy Donovan and Rick Patino. Hey, Randy, before you commit to LSU, come to Wildcat Lair and come to Midnight Madness here. And I'm like, I only told my mom, I told Coach Fitz. So it was almost like they had the phone tap. It was, uh, <laughs> because like, there's no way Coach Fitz didn't tell anybody because I was still on the phone with him. And mm-hmm. There was no texting back then. And I know mom didn't tell anybody. And it was just crazy how they knew they were on it. Um, another cool story, you know, Duke Grant Hill's family was here. Mm-hmm. He came down and spent about a month with me. And to this day, he still talks about Camellia Grill. Man, when we got back to Camellia Grill, <laughs> that was one of his spots. And, you know, and then obviously the recruiting stuff is crazy. You learn so much stuff. While I was with him, Coach K called from the Dream Team in Barcelona. Wow. Uh, we were together. So, like, those stories, you know, are, are legendary. And, and recruiting is good. But I did the best thing though, before my senior year to get it over with and not just have enjoy my senior year. <clears throat> And I did that last year was an enjoyable one. Well, talk, tell us a little bit about choosing LSU and Dale Brown. What, what kind of put it over the top? You, you said it yourself, you were, you know, UNC all the way. So what, what was it about the program about coach Brown? Yeah, actually me, Rasheed and Stackhouse talked about linking up together and Jeff McGinnis wound up going, I think the, the time I like Duke on my visit there. I took an unofficial visit there. I liked it. It was kind of similar to Newman. I needed a little bit different in terms of, preppy and academic and all that stuff that was good. I was good academia. I just didn't, it was just too too much of the same. Mm-hmm. And how North Carolina spent is basically, I basically told uh, Dean Smith, I asked him, you know, because he was notorious. Michael Jordan didn't even play that much. He didn't start as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, if I come every day and beat their out, and I'm talking about beat them to a pulp, can I not start and win the job? And he said unequivocally no, and then that was yeah. it. I felt yeah. like I can beat out somebody. I deserve it, but that was his policy. And, you know, um, God bless the dead Dean. He's a legend. You know, and he stuck to his guns, and that was fine. And, you know, that, that kind of opened the door. It really became a Kentucky LSU thing, to be honest with you. And I was like, why go to another SEC school when you got one here? And mm-hmm. Coach Brown, you know, he offered everything that I was looking for, which was the ability to play and try to get out as fast as possible. And he was a player's coach in terms of that, to where he basically took all of the blame, and then when things were going good, the players got all of the credit. So, you know, you look for those type of situations. And then me and Ronnie were going to team up, so, you know, that was kind of the icing on the cake. We tried our hardest to get Honeycutt, but Tulane won him over. So, Yeah, Tulane had a squad back then. Back, no question. We were just yeah. talking about that. It's been almost – 30 years since they've been to the tournament. Wow. Under Perry Clark. And he had a lot of Louisiana flair. Right. Yeah, actually, I, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I remember going to some of those games up in Fogelman and watching Gerald Honeycutt play. The yeah, pop, I, 
the, the posse. posse. The posse. Yeah. Right. It should be happening. It should be happening. <laughs> I, like, I was telling Chris the other day, I said Fogelman used to be so packed. Like I as a kid, it just seemed overwhelming at that time. No, definitely. But like just so tell us a little bit about um, you know, everything that goes into um, you know, the process of of injury your injury and then rehabbing going into college and stuff like that. I remember early in the interview, I told you, man, I went through a run from nine to or 10 years old to 17, not having, you know, minor ankle sprain maybe, but it was almost like too perfect. And then um, and the injury bug hit right after, I'll never forget, there's another cool story. I mean, cool in that, the names that are about the name. I was working at ABCD camp and my job was to put Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury to sleep. So they would play. We came. make sure they laid it down. And then at night we went and played for played in front of the NBA scouts. And um that's how I got hurt. And I was playing, it was game point, I'll never forget, against Sean Tarver, who went to UCLA. And um I tore my ACL. But that night I didn't know it. Um I finished the game and then man, I slept with some ice on my knee and when I got up it was still warm, so I knew something was wrong. And um went and got checked out and the doctors in Ypsilanti, Michigan, basically said they thought I had a sprain. So then Sonny Vaccaro, um, we've become good friends. Um, he's one of the best in the business of basketball. He said, you better get on the first thing smoking or Del Brown will kill me. And so I'll never forget, I landed at the airport in Kenner. A friend of mine who went to Newman, he's a little bit older, but his dad was a doctor. I went to his office. I laid down and did the little knee test. He walked out of there crying. He didn't even say nothing. Wow. And I kind of knew something was up. And then two days later, I was off to Birmingham getting surgery by the legendary uh, Dr. James Andrews. Wow. And that's did everything. At that time, he had just put both hip back together. So yeah. that's all I knew about him. And um, But he became like a father figure to me. And I was off to my first ACL surgery. I would say I was sort of a... I guess a miracle case because in four months I was practicing with the team. So this happened the 4th of July. And then I would say in September, October, I was practicing with the group. Not probably 100%, but just pure willpower. And then Coach Brown stepped in and said, man, you've got too much to lose your red shirt your freshman year. Mm-hmm. But I, I was practicing, scrimmaging with the guys. And um, I red shirted. Everything was going well. And then probably later in that year, I played, was doing well. I was asking like maybe 14 and no, I was asking 16. And I, at some point I was asking 14 assists in like four or five games. And then, man, my knee started hurting me. Played UCLA on night. I'll never forget. And then maybe two months later in January, I fractured my patella. At that point, you know, I didn't know what, what was going on. I was like, you know, you kind of have to think about it. Right. National television game against the Finn National Champions. My mom's first road game. Like, it was just, you know, it was great that she was there because, you know, that was a tough night. You know, I just, you know, you question, you know, what's going to happen? Are you ever going to play again? And, you know, I'll never forget. Dr. A sent this private plane, come get me. We go back to Birmingham. The next day I had surgery. And then at that point, it was just an uphill battle just to even play in college. Did you ever doubt, um, you know, you would make it to the NBA? Or did you feel like coming off the injury before your freshman year at LSU, going through the rehab process once, 
were you confident you could get through it again? Um, at that point, I didn't really know. Um, I just know something about you know growing up in a Cali or watching my mom work from six o'clock to eleven o'clock my whole you know teenage years, and yeah. so giving up really wasn't an option. We didn't know how it was going to turn out, but you know if there was a will, there was a way, and um, you know I just I, I knew by having a great surgeon like him, like Dr. Andrews that I had good work done on my knee. So it was just up to me. And, you know, I got, I got, at that point, I kind of made a decision. It was the first year they put in the NBA that you can leave for the draft and not have an agent. And so I talked to Sonny Vaccaro. We were still good friends. Like, Randy, you want to come out to California rehab and don't worry about school. And, you know, that was kind of an option. Or I could go to Birmingham and just rehab. And I had enough credits to play. Um, and so, you know, at that point, I put my name in the draft just to see, and everybody from all the NBA gym said, so it's just a recovery issue. You'll get drafted possibly in the end of the first round. And so once I made that decision, I knew I wasn't going back. And I'll never forget, I sat with Ronnie Henderson and I said, look, man, once I make this decision, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it if I have to bite claw and and lo and behold, that's what I did for almost 11 years professionally. I mean, that, that was just my mentality. And I think that was just growing up in the city, man. That was most most Louisiana and Western New Orleans kids are tough. And so I had that mentality and it, it carried me through my professional career. So ultimately you ended up drafted, uh, was it the, the Rockets 42nd overall pick beginning of the second round? Um <clears throat> Just tell us a little bit about that fighting in that clawing. I mean, 11-year career coming off of those uh, surgeries that you just described. I mean, you know, that's nothing but sheer, sheer will and determination um, to, to, to be able to, to have an 11-year career after that. Tell us uh, just kind of some of your, your favorite NBA memories, any cool stories, and and what it was like uh, on those different teams. First, first though, I want to hear, did y'all have a draft party? Like, what was it like getting your name called coming yeah. through all that adversity? Well, that's what I'll tell any young man. Basketball goes from fun to a business very quickly once you make mm -hmm. that and go to draft. And the business side is not fun. So I had a team, Denver Nuggets, coached by um, Bernie Bickerstaff. Mm -hmm. Basically said with their three picks in the first round, they were going to draft me in one of them. They had like 23, 26, and 30 or 29, something like that. And I'll never forget they drafted somebody then the next pick they drafted a foreign guy so i was like okay coming and the next <laughs> pick they had they traded it uh around so at that point i don't know where i'm gonna go right mm -hmm. and then that pick they traded back to 35 i'm like okay my name about to come they drafted jeff mcginnis and i had played against jeff my whole AU career and we never lost to jeff <laughs> i was like man this is crazy and then all of a sudden i get that call like I said, it goes from it goes from fun to business very quickly. And um, Rudy Tomjanovich called. Uh, it wasn't Carol Dawson at the time. He was an assistant GM. Um, Bob Weinhauer was a GM. But Rudy did all the talking, and he said, congratulations. You know, we don't even expect you to play this year. We're going to stash you, get you right, get you all the way right. We know your potential. And at that time, I was probably 85 90%. So I knew I would be ready for training camp with the right rehab. And um, yeah, the draft is funny, man. It goes. I got these are just stories. It's just a 
mess your head up, especially for all the young players. So I get to Houston. Othello Harrington got drafted before me, and then I went next, and then we had another draft pick, Terrell Bell, out of Georgia. So we go to the press conference, great day, man. It's like all the stuff that I went through at LSU, you know, it was like, man, you see some light at the end of the tunnel. So I go. Bob, Bob Weinhauer was the GM. So I do the press conference. I go relaxed, and the next morning I meet him at his office. He said, Randy, we're going to stash you in Europe. So, you know, I'm like, I just got drafted. I'm on the high. That's the last thing I want. I don't know nothing about Europe. He's like, we're going to have keep your rights, but we're going to make you go play in Europe. So you go from a high to the low. And the craziest thing, four hours later, he gets fired. And Rudy and called me like, you're the old diamond in the rough. I don't know what he was talking about. Right. <laughs> and then after that, they traded for Charles Barkley and traded all the point guards. So that was that my motivation. I was like, wow. They traded Sam Cassell, Kenny Smith, and um, I think they signed Brent Price. And then the rest was two minor league guys, and then I was the draft pick. So so you was on a team with Scottie Pippen? Nope. I was on the team with Charles Barkley, Kim Olajuwon, and Clyde Drexler. Okay. Mario okay. Ellie, Mario Ellie. And well, that was a team. Did they win it? No, we lost to Utah no. in the conference final, Stockton yep. hit out of the budget. Right, because Charles Barkley never won one, so that was uh, that's they had right. won and then traded for Charles, right? That's yeah, we right. Had, we had, that was that was man one of the highlights of my career to see three top fifty players every night play, mm-hmm. and I played, I played, so I'd go from playing maybe thirty games in three years at LSU, and I played in sixty four games my rookie year. Wow, and that was with like, three of the greatest players. NBA well, I saw it every night. I saw something. Right. right. You know, so it was, it was, and then you make it to the conference final, the freshman, I mean, your rookie mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was crazy. But, but only the, i tell you some stunning things about my rookie year. So after the first game, I played my childhood idol. We played Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. <laughs> and they teased me so hard before the game. <laughs> if you go for that between the leg where you throw the ball up in the air and let everybody, <laughs> okay, you're coming right out the game. <laughs> And sure enough, he got me. Like, he was so hype, right? But then, but then Rudy was—he was such a good coach. He let me post him because Mike Moon was too small. So <laughs> I got the score on him, and man, that was—that was a great feeling. And like mm-hmm. I said, and after the game, all of the old guys who were like 13 years in, veterans, man, it was the craziest thing. Everybody cracked open a six-pack of beer. I was like, "What the hell? Where is it?" <laughs> like, that's what they did. Rudy probably smoked a pack of cigarettes. As a nerve, man, it was crazy, but it was a great experience. Like I said, playing with Charles and Clyde and the team, it, it was special too, every night. And then after that, I just had a journeyman career. I just kept battling. You know, it didn't matter. I went, I played for legendary coach Lenny Wilkins in Atlanta. I went to the CBA, which I had never heard of. I got on the plane thinking I'm going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Lo and behold, I was going to Sioux City, Iowa. I'm from New Orleans. And then, man, I had a nervous, almost had a nervous breakdown. It was so cold. People thought it was cold this this winter, that little freeze. Right. It was negative 30 wind chill in South Dakota and North Dakota, all the places we traveled to. But the experiences I experienced, you know, I wouldn't trade them for the world. You know, it was that was that's what I love doing, man. I love playing, you know. I battled and I had some times where I thought I would retire and then a story like Phoenix Suns deal. 
I was my own agent at the time. I used to watch the Suns score, but I was one of those guys I watched. I read the box score every game, so I know if the backup point guard for J-Kid, I see how many minutes, what he scored, what he did. And I played in the CBA finals against Adrian Griffith. And I was like, I think second, oh, we were co-MVP and we, I lost. But I, I had crazy numbers. And then I came home. It's just a funny story. I came home. And um, I was like, what am I going to do? I followed the Suns. Nothing happened. I got a deal to go to Venezuela. It's like 20 grand a month. So I'm going to take it. But then I heard such horror stories. They give you the cash and then somebody break into your apartment and take it. <laughs> so, so I told the guy, well, I'm from the Cali. So right. I, I, told the, I told the GM, meet me in Miami. Hand me my money. I'm going to give to my boy. He's going to put it in my bank account. <laughs> So my flight booked, ready to go. That night at like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, New Orleans time, I get a call from Hinge. And he said, we're going to call you up. We got one game to go and we want you for the playoffs. So that's my shot, right? So that's what type of like, vibe I was on. I was like, man, no matter what it takes, I'm going to make it this time and be successful. And what so, team was that? Because I think you might have broke up when you said Phoenix Suns. Right, right. With Danny Ainge. And so I go and play in one game. It's the last game in the season. I'll never forget. We played Terrell Brandon and KG, young KG. I had 12 points in 12 minutes. Made the playoff roster and parlayed that into a two-year deal. Guaranteed. Damn. Funny story about that. So that I'm a guy. I got scared for days, man. Alvin Gentry was the coach in Detroit. My assistant coach, Alvin, was Bo McComb, that coached me in Sioux Falls. So Danny Ainge was the head coach. Brian Coangelo was the GM. Now his daddy, Jerry Coangelo, came watched me play at Newman. My high school coach didn't tell me that. They told him they were going to draft me if I came out. But during that time, nobody had been. It had been like 10, 15 years. And then right afterwards, then it was an exodus of um, of um of players going to the NBA. So I had that year. I did summer league. They signed Oliver Miller and Toby Bailey, and I played on the playoff roster. And I was I was hot. I was like, man, I'm my own agent. I'm like, well, I don't get a guaranteed deal. So Alvin and Mo McCone called me. You want to do a free agent visit to Detroit? Well, me and Brian, well, well Brian thought we had a deal, a, a, like a, it would be guaranteed once I get the training camp. But nothing was signed yet. So, man, I'm going to take this visit. They offered me a two-year guarantee. I'm going to Detroit because Mo <laughs> and Alvin liked me. So I go back to Phoenix. Man, Brian Quanzalo called. Man, he was hot. He was like, man, I thought we had a deal. Man, what deal? Nine guaranteed? No, guaranteed had no deal. So he was hot. He was like, as soon as I got off the plane, I got a call from him. He was like, good luck in Detroit. He said, but that was bad business. I thought we had a deal. I was like, that wasn't a deal. So I get to my apartment in Phoenix. Ding, 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 ding. Danny Ainge, Randy. I heard what Brian said. Just listen to him. If you want to stay here, I can go talk to Jerry and figure this out. So my, my agent had come on there. He said, what is it going to take for you to stay? I say, give me a one-year guarantee and then one-year player option. So I could become a free agent if I do well. Right. But he said, all right, I'm going to call you back. Ten minutes later, ding, 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 Randy, 
how about two years guaranteed? I said, you showed because I just talked to Brian. He wasn't too happy. He was like, get the hell out of here. So next thing you know, I said, yeah, if you got that, I'm staying. And then I stayed in Phoenix. And then a crazy thing later, my guy who was in my corner, he put together a team with Penny, Jason Kidd, Luke Longley, Cliff Robinson, Gugliata, Rex Chapman. Man, we had a squad. Rodney Rogers. And we had a squad. But halfway through that season, he figured, man, we nobody was beating that 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 diesel in, in LA. Shaq was ridiculous those years. Right. Him and Kobe. So then he quit on me. <clears throat> Scott Skiles come and take over. Man, he hated me. He hated Gary Kid. He hated everybody. He hated <laughs> right. So next thing you know, now Brian Colangelo gets his revenge. We go into offseason. He was like, come play summer league. Now this is seven years in. I'm like, man, you crazy. But I do it, right? They're like, we're gonna see what kind of shape you I go play summer league. I go practice before we go to summer league. The day we about to go to Utah, they say, Randy, come in here. You can find a trade. If you don't find a trade, we just going to waive you. I guess he held a grudge because they went over his head, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lo and behold, man, I saw Tony Delk at a Diamondbacks baseball game. I used to go to him all the time. I'm like, man, what you doing here? He's like, man, I just signed here at eight minutes. <laughs> you mean? I'm like, Tony Delk. <laughs> Rex Chapman, uh, Penny, J Kid. I'm like, mm, it's not a lot of room here. <laughs> they way it's crazy. We're guaranteed money, but that's the life for the NBA. That's the business. It's crazy. This is straight up business. And so I, had, I mean, it sounds like you held your own. I had three trades. They wouldn't honor. Mm, really? So yeah. listen, you you snuck this in, but you you were your own agent. Can, can you? How did that happen? Well, I went from Jerome Stanley. Who was Keyshawn Johnson, <laughs> Reggie, the late Reggie Lewis agent? He had a couple other, Gerald Mackins, who was actually a general manager, assistant general manager for the Pelicans a little bit. Um, and then I left him very quickly after my rookie year. And then I went with P for a little bit, right? Because me and oh, P, right. I grew up in the Calio, but you know, that that was never gonna be good business. So <laughs> after I left P, then I did it for myself. You know, I, then I was like, you know, I can do this. I do better off. And I did the best. I did the that was the best deal I ever had in my whole career when I was by myself. So you know, it was that was just. I just thought I could do it, and that was it. So yeah, so that was that was that career. But after that, I was a journeyman, man. I enjoyed every bit of it. I enjoyed time over in Turkey. I played in Istanbul. That was the only place overseas I had a little bit of success. I tried to go to Russia one year. Once they don't pay, Chief, I'm out. <laughs> I don't wait. And, um, and then I, 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 what I, what my goal was is to, to get called up every year and make some money. And um, I did. And I said, the day I don't get called up, I will retire. And we won a championship. I didn't get called up that year, and I retired. And that was, that was a wrap with that. What team was that that won a championship that you didn't call? I was in the Idaho Stampede in the NBA mm-hmm. Development League. Mm-hmm. A, Quint, a coach, Quinn Snyder coach team. Mm-hmm. We coach of the year in the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. Well, now, check this out. This is how small the world is. Dale Demps was the GM. Wow. Distant GM was Mo McCone who coached me in, in Sioux Falls. So mm-hmm. on that team was Darvin Ham, Ian Mahimi, who played for the Spurs a little bit. Um they had a good team. A young squeaky Johnson was on that team from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a heck of a series. We beat them in three games. And, um, yeah, I called it quits after that. Yeah, you and did you that. go? No, go ahead, Ron. 
Did you go immediately into coaching after that? Yeah, immediately. I um, stayed in Boise, was associate head coach, um, got doctored very quickly. When I look back at it now, I wish I would have took a year off and kind of, you know, spent some time with the family. Um, but I, I jumped right into it, and coaching is way tougher than um, playing because it's a job 24 hours a day. I mean, you're in control of 12 kids, a franchise. So I was associate head coach for that year. And then, again, my relationships with Danny. And Danny Ainge had a team in Portland, Maine, that was going to be a new team. So he was like, the Celtics going to be involved with this. Randy, we want you to come up here and be the head coach. Next thing you know, he hires his son and asks me to be his assistant. <laughs> and then the guys in Boise was like, man, we're not going to let you get away that quick. I went to Maine for one year, and then the next year they called me back and made me the head coach of the team in Boise for two years. <clears throat> and the NBA is a fraternity. So I know Antoine was in some trouble. I brought Antoine back to finish off his career the right way. Um, I think his documentary, most of it was done, or the end of it was done in Boise, like we did. Let him play, let him finish his career. And um, then the Portland Trailblazers, after two years, bought the team in Boise. And they decided to do their own thing. And uh, it was out of me and Emeka Adoka to get an assistant coaching job with the Spurs. And he got it. And then I left the U.S. at that point and moved to Australia with my wife now. And, uh, yeah, and then I enjoyed grassroots over there. I worked Adidas Grassroots over in Australia, New Zealand region. They gave me that region. And um, Dante Exums and the Ben Simmons and all those yeah. guys. I, mean, I probably put almost 30 kids in a three-year period into high-level Division One colleges. Um, and that was a great experience. And what it was was a guinea pig because I knew I was going to come back home and do grassroots. Mm -hmm. Just, and, can you explain a little bit more like what that actually means? To a lot of people don't know, like when you say grassroots, um, what – what were you doing to help those players transition to the U.S.? Yeah, so what I did was I went from coaching and I went from playing to coaching and then I ventured off into business. So I started a business. I started a scouting service in Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Those were the bases. And I um, sold my scouting service to the U.S. colleges, girls and boys. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I started a, um, a placement service where the guys that weren't the top tier kids, I would help them get to Division Two or Division One. I would, you know, pretty much get them to college. Um, and then Adidas was like, man, you're hot in that region. Let's make you the grassroots director over there. And so every year I would bring a team over for four straight years to play in AAU tournaments. And then we would play in this prestigious Adidas Nation. In fact, the last year of the Adidas Nation was Zion Williamson year. And we almost beat them in the pool play by two. I had a stack. I had Thornmaker, Mature. Tour and McCour maker on um, my team <clears throat> and the rest of the boys. I think out of the 12 players on that team, 11 of them went to Division I college. And the only reason Matur didn't because he was a junior. So we were stacked. And then I knew we weren't going to beat him in the championship game. We met him again. So they did a documentary. That was the last. I don't think it ever came out because then all of the stuff broke with all of the scandal, with all of the coaches and all gotcha. this stuff. So no, nah, that, that's grass. Grassroots is basically high school basketball. Mm -hmm. you know, um, but they do it differently over there. High school basketball is not as popular as it is here. They do, um, they call it juniors, junior national team and national. So I, I, I got to see basketball in every state in Australia, traveling, seeing junior players play. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a great experience, man. Yeah, I've been to New Zealand, actually, one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited. And the, and the vibe, like the people are real laid back and cool, too. Yeah, 
that's that's in that hemisphere, man. Okay. Good spot. So you all about relationships, right? Because after exactly. you came back from Australia, you went back to LSU. Yeah, that was the um I had been trying to get back to LSU with Walks. That was always my dream as a player. I wanted to win a national championship and now I knew I could help coach. And um yeah, Johnny Jones gave me an opportunity and um you know it, it was it was a interesting time. Um it didn't last long. So <laughs> I moved all the way back to Australia, had a, a, a brand new daughter, son that was young. It was just a it was just a weird situation. And I was guaranteed, you know, the second year of that contract and for them not to keep me, it was kind of it was disappointing. I mean, I, it hurt. Um, but at the end of the day, man, my life has always been about you know, moving on. Uh, hence, you know, my name of my business, live on. You know, got to move on, got to live on, no matter what happens. So blow after blow, you just keep trucking. And the sun comes up every day. And um, and then the crazy thing is, so I went to LSU. So I kind of sold part of my business in Australia. But the, but the grassroots part, when we got fired, I picked it right back up. And that's when we came in and played. So that happened. So then that was the last year of that. I'll never forget, I went to do a camp back in Australia. I was back living in the U.S. for indigenous people in Australia. And that's when that story broke. And I was like, wow, all the stuff, Adidas and Nike and all the, you know, it's just all the coaches. I knew a lot of those coaches. It was crazy. So then I was like, what am I going to do? I set out a year. And then Newman was like, hey, would you like to come and just, you know, peek and see if this has any of your interest? And so I said, let me see. You know, I knew Toast to Let. I played with his son, Billy Basketball, um, for Nord Uptown. And um, so I was like, he's a legend. You know, let's let's see if I really want to do this. Let me come and just look at it 30,000 feet in the air. And they're like, well, you want to coach eighth grade? I was like, okay, I'll do it. I miss coaching. And then we went undefeated. It's crazy. Little Arch <laughs> it's a sophomore that I have now. We went undefeated. Like 30, you know, we beat everybody. And um, but I kind of had that itch and, you know, so that wanted to retire, and so by him retiring, it opened up a spot, and then there you go. And then I've been there since, and it really has enjoyed. It's like the level. People ask me all the time. I get kids that want to come to Newman, and all the time they say, how long are you going to be that coach? You're going to go to college or whatever. Man, I'm truly enjoying, you know, being impactful to the young men and, you know, building relationships. It's all a relationship. The head, headmaster at Newman was my assistant coach. Um like Johnny coaching, everything in life is about relationship, man. It's it, it's truly amazing when you treat people well. And people ask me about my NBA journey. The beauty of that, all the stops that I did make, I, I have the most call-ups, but people don't realize I had like 20-something, 23, 24 times I was cut from a team. Like That's rejection. That's the team telling me, you don't want you no more. <laughs> so, uh, all of those journeys I always introduced myself to the GM, assistant GM, knew the managers, was nice to people. And, you know, those are the type of things you remember. Mm-hmm. And so I know I got, I got a hundred stories, man. We could be on here for hours. I got a story with Sam Presti doing Katrina. It's like the twilight of my career. Sam Presti was assistant up and coming GM, assistant GM. And um, it's funny. I didn't get on topic, but. I was on my way out in my last like years of playing. I went to a mini camp in San Antonio. The mini camp's over with. I'm headed to the airport. My phone rang. 
210 Sam Preston, he's like, man, I don't know how much longer you're going to play, but you got a bright future in coaching. Let's stay in touch. Here's my number. Let's stay in touch. I stayed in touch. Boom, Katrina happened. My mom worked for charity at the time. She was at the hospital, medical records, whatever, and then they got stuck. So we had to evacuate. So she can't, you know, state employees can't leave. So, man, she called me. She was like, we just, it's like two in the morning. We just landed in a helicopter or plane, whatever we landed in San Antonio. I called Sam Presti at 2.30 in the morning. He went, got my mom, put her up in a hotel until we can get to her. Wow. Like, these are stories you don't hear, but like, again, relationships are important. Definitely. All young kids, young people, older people, business relationships matter. They do. You so, are. Go ahead, but which basically what you're telling us is to look out for you uh, getting a, a job with the Oklahoma City Thunder at some point in the coaches. That I came and passed. I passed on a job. He offered me a job in the G League. And wow. the people didn't want to leave. They gave me a better deal. But like hindsight 2020, I probably should have went. But it happens, man. Everybody, you make mistakes and you live and learn. But, you know, it's, I always, you know, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. I, I made that decision. You know, it just... <laughs> It just, it's just crazy. It's so, it's so many stories. And I, over the pandemic, I have written a book and um, probably, I probably got some little bit more tweaking that I want to do with it. More stories that like this, I want to continue to put all throughout it. Um, but um, yeah, I got a, got a lot of stuff to, to share and just looking forward to that. man. So you've been pretty humble about your coaching career. You just made it to the state championship game. Um, so what was it like, you know, bringing your team that hadn't won, Newman hadn't won since 93 when you were a senior? Although y'all didn't get over the hump this year, just making it to that game, what's that experience been like for you? You know, y'all went to the state semis last year and not the finals this year. What's what's that run been like for you? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I, to be honest with you, I don't like, because, you know, with my career, playing, coaching, I don't think Newman know what they were getting. Like, they just like, okay, name, and he's going to bring some – you know, name recognition to the job. But, like, I mean, I was on the cuffs of being an NBA head coach. That was my trajectory. It didn't work out that way. But I feel like, I mean, whether it's an NBA coach, college coach, I feel like, to be honest with you, like, I'm like a, a artist. I Like, coaching and basketball is my life, man. And I, um, I'm special at it. I mean, I, I know that. I'm not bragging. I'm not – I just am. And just to – it's just God, this was the right time, you know, for everything. And so, you know, I always knew once I took the job, that was my, I had no other goals. Now, I think the athletic director, bless his heart, Patrick, he basically said, I'll be happy if y'all win 10 games your first year. And then, you know, this year we lost the top player in the state and Javon Ruffin, Michael Ruffin's son. And, you know, I don't think they expected us to be well. But nothing changed with me because I know that I have a great basketball acumen just because of all of the coaches I played for. And I ain't even talking about the NBA coaches. I'm talking about great Bill Robinson, who was at Carr, Coach Billy Fitzgerald. You know, I, I played for late Jerry Sloan. I played for some great coaches. So I kind of took a little bit for everybody, you know, and um, – yeah, my expectations never wavered. I, I thought we would be in the championship game. In fact, I thought we would win it. And, you know, it's disappointing we let one slip. Hats off to Dunham. You know, Carlos Stewart has played for me three years, you know, AAU. So I knew he was a special 
player. Um, but, you know, we were right there. We had a chance to win it and just didn't finish. And I fully expect us to be bigger and better. And, you know, you guys will get the first prediction. I, I believe we will become nationally ranked next year at Newman. Um, and I know Carver's great. McMain has a great program. But I just feel like it's our time. And I think what we have coming back, what we have coming in, we, we, we got a special group and we'll continue to grow and get better. Uh, I hope the boys don't hear that because that puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> right. but, but my staff is great and I, I just believe in what we're doing. So, you know, and I know people will be like, man, that's quick in three years time. But that was my expectations from the beginning when I took the job. Not like I said, I don't think Newman was ready for that. And this was right. close. I mean, we had a game, the final game, and I know it's COVID, but it was on 60 um, TVs around campus. Like all of the students watched it. Like, so it's a big deal. The pride yeah. is kind of restored. And, you know, I know football is still king, you know, with Arch there. They're going to be really, really good, and AJ and those guys. But, you know, I feel like the basketball program doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. And that was my goal and mission. And, you know, we'll continue to build all that. So what I'm hearing is LSU about to have a powerhouse in basketball next two or three years. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's Tulane. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't Tulane, know. Tulane is right around the corner. Remember, right around remember your roots, Randy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, LSU is it's the kids' decision, Chris. You're going to go where they want to go. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just telling you, the class of 23 is bananas in, in Louisiana for basketball. So I can name, we got we got two teams this year in that class and for AAU. And I would say on the first team, there's 12 mid to high major players on that team. How, how do they stack up against your class of 93? Um. Different. They don't have me. <laughs> like we had we had some we had some we had some dogs. I mean, you got mm-hmm. if you go. I, mean, I didn't even say Andre Brown. He was good. He went to Seton Hall. Yeah, it was like thirty six. You still had Rashard Allen. You had Honeycutt. I mean, we had a heck of a class. Who who would you say was the best player that you played against in New Orleans during that time? Best player. Um, I enjoyed playing against Pointer. That was good because he was a good defender. Um, he was tough. Man, to be honest with you, though, like when I laced him up and played, I, I just didn't think like that. I just I expected to to win. I expected to play well. Um, I don't know. I, 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 there was nobody in the city that I really looked at like, okay, I'm going to have a tough night tonight. I didn't. Jock Vaughn was a decent guard in McDonald's game. It was okay, um, but I, I I felt like that because I worked hard, man, and I was confident, and I, I I knew what my abilities was, and so like I never really thought about the competition. My whole thing was just getting better, getting better, getting better. And that that was it. Yeah. What uh what you got going on right now, man? You mentioned your business. What you got other outside of the coaching realm? Well, AAU, man, like I said, grassroots is big. Um, and I want the kids to experience and, and, and get the notoriety that they deserve. Um, and so, man, people wouldn't believe Friday happened. Tough loss. You lick your chops on Saturday and Sunday, man. I was in the gym from 9 to 7 o'clock with my AAU groups. We had tryouts, and then this week we go play in Houston this weekend. So it never stops. I truly love it. I'm thankful. 
I got to understand in family. You know, I try to spend as much time with the family, but they understand I like basketball, man. This is what I do for a living. And um, anytime I can help these kids understand what it's about, get college scholarships, experience the world, because it's the best time of their life. They just don't know it. Um, you know, where they can be innocent and just just play and not have a worry in the world. But um, no, I enjoy it. So I'll do that. And then we'll focus again on getting better already with Newman after spring break. Um, but I, I enjoy it. Grassroots is a good. I thought Adidas was like the best when we used to do Adidas Nation because that was really only one. It was the only platform that I had high school, college, and pro guys in the same room. But when I went to Peach Jam and we made it with the 16U team, it's a spectacle night go under for the summer, man. It's, it's, man, when I say they put on a show, I mean, it's like 30,000 people in there to see Brian Jones. And he wasn't even good then. I'm just saying, so it's crazy. <laughs> Nike, Nike puts on a great show, man. They, they do. They have the best players. They know how to do grassroots basketball. And so every year there's probably 20 professional guys playing on that scene. So it's just good to see. And you get to see how the Louisiana kids stack up. And, and that's what I'm excited about. All right. So I think at this point we got some quick hitters. We're going to get you out of here. We know uh, – you got the family yeah. commitments and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. so first quick hit. I think we already got the answer to this based on where you're from. But it's it's, it's a no, lot. It's yeah, it. We're gonna start it off easy. No limit versus cash money. Which one? That, that's hard, man. Cool, because I know both, and I grew up with both. That era, mm -hmm. man. Ooh, we <laughs> roster versus roster. Mm. Oh man. It don't have to be roster. It could just be your personal preference, too. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm probably more of a no-limit soldier. But <laughs> cash money, you know, Juvie was my guy. They, all, they He the only one every time I see him. Man, he should have kept playing football. That's all he always did. <laughs> like, like, those were my guys, man. And they all made great, great music. Like, I can't even say Manny Fresh or KL or Beats by the Pound. Like, it's too hard. They, they just... Man, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Right. Uh, okay, well, look. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. It's I, I gotta go with cash money. I, I'll tell you why. Because Lorraine wound up being the best out of all of them. If you say the best out of everybody, and Mystical was my dude, all of them. But Lorraine kind of just took the mantle and ran with it. So if he's the best, you gotta go with probably the best with him. So that's so, a tough. So piggybacking over that favorite song out of you know favorite New Orleans song. Favorite New Orleans song. Um, you gotta go with. Um, I, I, I'll go one of the favorite CDs, 400 Degrees All Time. Um, yes, sir. Favorite song is either um, or make them say uh, any of them, either one of them anthems. Yeah. I mean, but they got so many classics that right, right, right. I mean, I, if you put any of them on, I can I, I know all the lyrics. So that's when no limit got a CD every two seconds. stuff <laughs> was like they had all of the between BG, Juvenile, and Wayne. You know they had guys. But the funniest thing about the creek, I will like say. I'm gonna throw one back at y'all, baby. A P. They both gang spitters. They can't rap. <laughs> they just talk, right? yeah, crazy. I gotta go with P. I mean, P. Still selling P. the. He's still selling the. The what do they have? The noodles. The you know, yeah. he was a sports agent. He played in the NBA. I mean, this dude has done it all and just won't go away. Sneakers, hey, like I'm gonna go with baby. 
Because you got to put some respect on that man. <laughs> nah, that's good stuff, man. Nah, a um, couple basketball quick hitters we got. You good? Um, best arena you ever played, like, you know, most hyped arena. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you two. Madison Square Garden is like the Mecca. One place, yeah, the Mecca. You just got to play in. And then quick, triv- quick trivia. I have the last points in the L.A. forum. Preseason wow. game. I got the last points in the form. A trivia. Damn, bro, you should have told me that I could have put that in the trope. LA is anyone in LA. Although the LA fans are kind of, because they'll, they'll, if something happened, they might five seconds later, 10 seconds later cheer. Like they ain't, they just going to be seen. But just all the stars on the floor, yeah, like being in Staples or the forum back in the day. That's the way Miami is. I mean, people, they show up when the team's winning, but if they're not, they're, they're not concerned. Yeah. Uh, best coach you ever played for? This one might surprise you. Um, my two coach, Billy Fitzgerald and William Robinson, easy and not even close because that was my foundation. But professionally, Scott Scouts. Really? Really? Really was surprised. You probably probably one of the best X and O's coaches. Now he was crazy as hell, but he was one of the X and O's coaches that I had been around in the NBA. Like he could he was sharp. Really, really sharp. He was crazy, but he's sharp. All right. What about the best player you ever played with at any level? Played with? Mm-hmm. How about I won't take it there. I'll say the best teammate. Mm-hmm. And that, that was KG. It wasn't even close. Wow. Because okay. he practiced hard all the time. Mm-hmm. And like his stuff, like I'm sure what Drew Brees has done. Man, he would be, and we could be on the road, and he'd be like, man, let's go out. But then he'd be like, man, let's get up and eat breakfast together, knock on the door, make sure everybody was up. Take care of the ticket, go to dinner. Like that was just his his MO. But I, you know, his career ended like quickly to me because he played so hard, because he practiced hard like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was probably my favorite teammate. What about um Best Best would be Akeem Olajuwon. Not even close. Really? That I played that scene and yeah, it was unstoppable. Best your best one on one matchup. That I would have liked to have seen, I'm gonna say that. I would have liked to have played against Jason Kidd in high school. I went Wow, I went, y'all never played against and, each other. I went out west looking for him, and he didn't <laughs> he was he was running. And we become good friends at the plant in Phoenix. I helped him out in Milwaukee a lot. He let me come be a part of the coaching staff. I could fly even when I was in Australia. I can fly and meet them on the road. He treat me like I was on the staff. I can you know I had a room. I had per diem. I like he he took care of me like knowing that he was he was we become great friends. Wow. But like, I would like to see that matchup in high school. I just assumed y'all played against each other because y'all were co-played the year. No, I went out to, like, remember, I played AU. So I said, man, this is my last year AU, man. I don't even want to play AU. Let's go out to the BCI tournament in Phoenix, in Tempe. And then he was supposed to show up with, the, I think it was a Cal Supreme or LA Supreme team or whatever, and then he didn't come. So that was my, you know, we would have met, we would have matched up then. But then the crazy thing, but I was, I was hurt. We played every day against each other in Phoenix. So it's crazy how it works out. Uh, and then finally, LeBron or MJ? <laughs> you, you know, that, that's, 
people hate me for this, but I love LeBron because I, 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 I come from the magic school of things, right? Now, MJ, I mean, he's probably the greatest winner besides, you know, Russell, obviously, but of our era, he is, but and most competitive. But I come from the magic. That was magic was my dude. So LeBron is like, like that with him, just more athletic, can score more than magic. I'm a LeBron fan, like to, to the death. I, I love LeBron. LeBron game translates. And we're the only time we're the only two time besides Lou Elcinder, only two time national players of the year. It don't happen. Like when we started like that, we're gonna end it like that. Randy, <laughs> man, we appreciate the time, bro. This is awesome. Anytime, man. We'll have to do this again, man. So just mm-hmm. stay in touch, man. And great job with y'all show, man. Keep on doing it. Bring you back after the book. We're gonna bring you back after the state championship next year. We, we're gonna keep you on. We're gonna bring back the 2023 class. All the boys. <laughs> there you go.